Good morning. How's everybody doing? You know, I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for asking. Getting strong. <laughs> strong. <laughs> I know Michael would appreciate that. I'm very happy you're here with me today, us today. Uh, I wanted to talk a little about grace. One of the most thrilling subjects in the Bible, without a doubt. Some would say, well, Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus is grace. So grace is the most thrilling subject there is. It's by grace that you and I are going to be saved. And we rely on that with all our might. If it wasn't for the grace of God, we'd all be in trouble. And we know that. We all know we missed the mark. Uh, some more than others. The, the word grace is from the Greek term charis. It means favor, goodwill, loving kindness. Generally, when it's used uh, in relation to God, it has to do with his favor, kindness towards us, human beings. Uh, he has a love for us that we'll never understand. I've tried my whole life, and really, I don't get it. But uh, for some reason, before he created us, he knew we were going to be a mess, and he loved us anyway. And I think that's just fantastic. And we can rely on his grace, his kindness, his compassion, and his desire for us to succeed in this world and walk the best we can through this world with him. And everything will be just fine in the end. Grace. It's amazing. No wonder the song, Amazing Grace. The, new, the word appears in the New Testament 156 times. It's used in a special redemptive sense in which God makes his favor available on behalf of sinners and those who do sin occasionally. Christians who sin sometimes. Even though we don't want to, we do. Grace is still available for us. Undeserving people indeed. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. We can't pay for it. There's nothing we can do. <laughs> the only thing we can do is to believe God, obey God, and he has promised that his grace will become ours. I believe that with all my heart. Grace is for every person, every person. Paul said in Titus 2 and 11, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all. Now, the word men there, today, you know, people get so bent out of shape over language, this latest thing there on men and women. You're not supposed to say that anymore. The word men, as it's used in many contexts throughout the entire Bible, the word man is, 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 is simply a generic term for mankind male and female, okay? Uh, all spirit beings, if you will. So the grace of God has appeared to all. Male, female, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Grace is available to those who choose to access it. You've got to want grace to receive grace. Redemptive grace, I should say. We receive the grace of God every day. The sun's shining. By the grace of God, it shines. The skies rain. By the grace of God, they rain. We only live by divine grace. 
But when we're talking about that special redemptive grace, that's something we have to access. We have to enter into it. It's not going to be like a cloud that overwhelms us. There's going to be a door, and we've got to pass through that door. We have to take the doorknob in order to enter into that realm of redemptive grace. Now, there's a lot of preachers preaching all over the country today that will deny everything I just said. They think I'm wrong. I'm not wrong. I'm right. They're wrong. Grace is something that has to be accessed, and I'll prove it to you in just a moment. In Romans chapter 5 and 1, Paul said, having been justified by faith, justified, to be made right with God, to be pardoned, to be forgiven, to be sanctified, to be just, having been justified by God, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 6 and 3, he said, do you not know that as many of us as were baptized under Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into his death. Notice the words into. They're all significant. Enter into. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Walk like Jesus walked. To the best of our ability, walk like Jesus walked. And God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, which we all were at one time, yet, however... You obeyed from your heart that form of doctrine, the New Testament teaching, a form, if you will, to which you were delivered from heaven to us. <clears throat> Grace and knowledge go hand in hand. And this, of course, is something that most denominational preachers will refute uh, to the better end. Grace and knowledge go hand in hand. Without one, you can't have the other. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us. The grace of God is teaching us. The New Testament scriptures is the grace of God given to us to teach us what the Lord would have us to do and be. The Christian religion is a taught religion. It's for intelligent people. Uh, you have to learn it, understand it, to believe it and obey it. In Isaiah 2 and 3, he said, The Lord will teach us his ways. He was speaking about now, when the Messiah came. He will teach us his ways. Jesus said in John 6, 45, it is written in the prophets, they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. You've got to be taught. Before there can be grace, you've got to be taught. I'm talking about redemptive grace. You have to be taught the will of God before you can receive the grace of God. There's something you must do. You must do it for yourself. If you're not taught the grace of God, you cannot access it. You've got to learn. You've got to put forth effort. You've got to work out your own salvation, as Paul wrote to the Philippians. You have divine knowledge, believed and obeyed, 
And then you have a person receiving divine grace, which, of course, is salvation. That's the way it works. I want God's grace. But in order for me to receive God's grace, I've got to believe and obey him. That's an imperative. It's something we must do. There is no way around it. Just because I pray the sinner's prayer, grace isn't going to fall on me. I know I, I listened to Franklin Graham say yesterday on the TV that it would. It will not. It doesn't work that way. A person has to be taught. And then they have to believe and obey what the Lord has said before grace can be received or accessed. Is grace conditional? Well, you hear all the time people saying it's not conditional. It's unconditional grace. No, it's not. Grace is conditional. When you talk about grace as far as in the realm of nature, yeah, it's unconditional. Everybody receives the grace of God without asking for it. Everybody receives the rain, the sun, etc., etc. That's God's grace. But when we're talking about redemption, it just doesn't work that way. We've got to access it. Take, for example, Noah. We're told in Genesis 6 and 8, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, we know he received the grace of God. The question is, how did he do it? Well, in Hebrews 11 and 7, it says, By faith, Noah. Noah was a believer. Now, we know that a believer has to have knowledge before they can believe. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Unless you hear the words of God, you can't even believe. Because it's the words of God that produces faith. At least the kind of faith that God is looking for and approves of. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark, the result was it was for the salvation of his own family. Okay, now let's go back and tear it apart and take a good look at it. The word of God, God told Noah. He said, Noah, I'm going to destroy the world with water. And if you want to be saved, you and your family, you're going to have to build an ark. And you're going to have to build it the way I tell you to build it. And if you follow my instructions, Noah, by grace, you and your family will be saved. So Noah was taught the word of God. He believed what God said because he was moved with godly fear. I know he believed. There would have been no fear if it hadn't been believed first. Being moved with godly fear implies that he believed and then he prepared an ark, which teaches us that he obeyed, and the end result was his family was saved from the flood that destroyed the world long ago. But notice what you wind up with. First, there was the word of God. Secondly, there was faith. Thirdly, there was obedience. The final result, by divine grace, Noah and his family were saved, being lifted up above the waters. Now, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6 and 1, We then, as workers together with Jesus, with God, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God 
in vain. Now, according to Paul, it's possible for me to have received the grace of God. And in the end, it will have been for nothing. In other words, I'll have no redemption. That's possible. Make sure you have not received the grace of God in vain. There's much more that could be said on the matter, but I don't want to be so long today. So we'll just move forward. Let's go back to old Noah. What do we see in Noah? Noah, by being divinely warned, grace was extended to Noah. Out of all the people on the world that God could have chose, he chose Noah only, only Noah. And he offered him a way of escape, a way of escape, the condemnation that was going to come on the entire world. That was grace. You can be spared of this certain death, Noah, if you will trust me. Suppose, suppose Noah hadn't believed God. The Lord told him he's going to destroy the world with water. Noah said, ain't no way. It's never rained before. There's no, I've never seen a flood. It's not going to happen. Well, if he didn't believe, he wouldn't have built the ark, would he? It looks like he might have spent 100 years building that thing. No telling how much it cost him in labor. If Noah hadn't believed, he wouldn't have built the ark, okay? Let's say he didn't believe and build the ark. What about the salvation of his family? He received grace. It was offered to him. What would have become of his family? Well, there would have been no ark. When the waters came, his family would have been destroyed along with everyone else. Grace would have been extended to Noah, but it would have been in vain. That's what Paul means. Do not receive the grace of God in vain. You have the offer of escape. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Well, let's look at this from another point of view. Okay, God extended grace to Noah. He warned him of what was coming. He had a heads up. Let's suppose Noah believed God. He was moved with godly fear. But he thought, well, God loves me because he's extended grace to me. And if God loves me, he's not going to destroy me. And he chose not to build the ark. What would have happened when the rains came? There would have been no ark. What would have happened to Noah's family? They would have been destroyed along with Noah. You see, people talk today a lot about grace and about salvation by faith only. But as you can see by my little chart, if Noah had believed and not done what the Lord required of him, he would have been destroyed. 
It's not enough to have an offer of grace. It's not enough to believe that God means what he says. One must obey the Lord to be the recipient of grace. Thank God that's what Noah did and the human family continued onward. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here today discussing the matter. Noah believed God, obeyed God, and received by the grace of God. Grace cannot be earned. Now, I want you to remember I said that. You people, they're all the time saying, churches of Christ believe you can earn your salvation. I hear it on the TV. I go to East Tennessee. I hear them on the TV saying that, that we believe you can earn salvation. I, I know a lot of preachers in our brotherhood. I don't know any preacher who believes that. I don't know not one. And I'll tell you right now, standing before you, you cannot earn grace. I know you can't earn grace. I don't need a Baptist preacher to tell me that. I've read it for myself. You cannot earn grace. There's nothing you can do to earn grace. It can't be earned. When you talk about earned, it's, you, you, you become worthwhile. It's owed you. When you work and you receive a paycheck, they don't give you a paycheck out of the kindness of their heart. They owe you that money. You made an agreement with them that you would work, and after two weeks, generally the first time, you get a paycheck. So you work by faith that you're going to receive a paycheck. When they hand you that paycheck, they haven't done you a favor. You did them a favor because you earned that paycheck. You can't earn grace. God will not be indebted to any of us. He doesn't owe us not one thing. Grace is a gift. It's something we don't deserve. It's something that God gives us. Don't ever lose sight of that fact, because that's very important that we know that. By grace you have been saved, Paul said, through faith. Not of yourself. You haven't earned it. It is the gift of God. Not of works. Not because you're a good preacher. Because you're a good deacon or whatever. Not of works. Because then you would have a right to boast. But you don't have a right to boast. Because you have not earned one thing. Jesus taught in Luke 17 and 10. When you have done all those things which you are commanded. Say. We are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 24 through 27, he taught a parable in which we learn that you, are I, you and I are like people in debt. And we're in debt $1 trillion. If you and I were in debt $1 trillion, we've got a debt we simply cannot pay. I couldn't make a trillion dollars in 10 years. We couldn't make a trillion dollars in our life. Only the government can do that. <laughs> they take it away from you. But you don't make a trillion dollars. Nobody does. It's a debt you cannot pay. Jesus said, morally speaking, that's the way we are. We've got a debt, and we can't pay it. If we were given 10,000 years, we couldn't pay it. It's just not in our nature to pay that debt. And we won't. Therefore, 
to be forgiven of such a debt is an act of grace. And when it's God's grace, it's by divine grace. Can I and how can I access God's grace? Now, this is important. It's very important. First of all, can I? Can I access God's grace? The simple answer is another yes. Everybody can. Anybody, yeah, but I've done some bad stuff in my life. Well, yeah. Can you repent of it? If you can repent of it, God can forgive you of it. Yeah, but I shot somebody back when I was a teenager. Can you repent of it? Have you turned away from such activity? Are you a better person today than you were at that time? Are you willing to be a better person? If so, God can forgive you. That's grace. It's, you can't understand it. God forgives us and we don't deserve it in any way, shape, or form. But he does it anyway because he loves us. You can chew on that one the rest of your life. I've been doing it for a very long time. And I still can't fathom it. Well, how can I access the grace of God? Paul said in Romans 5, 1 and 2, having been justified by faith, having been, that's past tense. Um, I could say of myself, having been justified by faith, that happened uh, a long time ago, 45, 46 years ago, I guess. A long time ago, I was justified by faith. And that's what Paul's saying here to the Romans. You have been justified a long time ago by your faith. The meaning of it could be like this. You can read it this way. And because we have been justified by faith. Or because we have been justified. The word justified means to have been forgiven. Pardoned. Sanctified. Made right with God. All of our sins are taken away. We're justified. Well, how did that happen, Paul? He said, by faith. Well, we've already seen that that means by believing and obeying God. Just like in the case of Noah. Nothing's changed. Somebody says, yeah, that's the Old Testament. It doesn't matter. And the nature of God hasn't changed. It's still the same today as it was in the day of Noah. He believed, he obeyed, he received the grace of God. Today, we believe, we obey, we receive the grace of God. What is that greatest justification? Because we have been justified by believing and obeying the Lord Jesus Christ, the result is we have peace with God. We're no longer at war with God. We're not at odds with God. We're on his side now. We're friends with God. We walk with him because we have been justified by faith. How was this accomplished? It was all made possible through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it's not hard to understand these sentences when you break them down. They're, they're kind of simple to understand, really. In verse 2, through whom? That, of course, would be Jesus. Through Jesus, also, we have access. The word access means we have an entrance. What do we have an entrance? We have an entrance made possible by faith which is our belief and obedience okay see how it goes it's it's really easy to understand if we want to understand 
Through Jesus, we have entrance by our belief and obedience of the Word of God into this grace, which is justification. In order to receive grace, we have to access it. There's no other way. There's no other way. A lot of people teach a, a more simple way, an easier way, and perhaps to some a more becoming way. But it's not the way God made possible. We access this grace by belief and obedience in the word of God. And therefore we have been justified. And in this we stand. And in this we rejoice. And in this we have hope of the glory of God. We know, we believe, and obey. And therefore we know we have access to divine grace the forgiveness of sins. Eternal salvation is ours. Now, we dare not let it be in vain, not at this juncture in our life. We want to finish the course that we started. Therefore, we are to continue in grace. Christians cannot fall out of grace. This is a very common theological teaching among Protestant denominations. A Christian cannot fall out of grace. Once saved, always saved, some will say. But listen to what the Lord said. In Acts 13 and verse 43, <clears throat> Paul and Barnabas was addressing Christians, and they persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. These people had access to the grace of God. They were in the grace of God. And Paul and Barnabas said, now you must continue in said grace. Now, if a Christian cannot fall out of grace, why were they exhorting Christians to continue in grace? Well, that makes no sense at all. Of course a Christian can fall out of grace. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. As many of you as were baptized into Christ, <clears throat> you have put on Christ. You have access to divine grace. You have become estranged from Christ now, Paul said. Estranged. To be severed. It's like a man and a woman. The woman tells the husband, leave. And he leaves and gets an apartment or something. They are estranged, an estranged couple. They're no longer cohabitating. They've been severed, separated. Now, Paul just said the Corinthians, the, rather the Galatians, in chapter 3, he said that they were in the body of Christ. They were Christians. It's undeniable that they were Christians. But even though they were Christians, he said, now you have been severed from Christ. Christ has cut you off. He's cut you loose. 
You're no longer a part of his family. And then Paul continues, you who attempt to be justified by law, that's what they were trying to do. Sometimes when you talk about mechanical music and worship, a person will say, well, David did it. You know what that is? That's attempting to justify mechanical music by referring to the law. Because David did it, that means we can do it today. We have justification. We go to the Old Testament to find justification. And Paul said that's what the Galatians did. They went to the old law to justify circumcision. And he said because you attempt to justify your actions by resorting to the Old Testament, you have become estranged from the Christ. He went a step farther, actually. He said, you have fallen from grace. They were in Christ, undeniable. But by the time we get to chapter 5, they were not in Christ. Because they resorted to the Old Testament law for justification in New Testament practices. And that's a no-no. Yeah, we have to continue in grace. That means we are to continue walking with God all of our life. That doesn't mean we'll never sin. We're going to sin. We all sin. I'm not trying to downplay the ugliness of sin. But to be perfectly honest with you, we will sin from time to time. And when we sin, we repent. We realize what we've done, the enormity of the situation. We repent of our behavior. We turn back to God and pray for his forgiveness. And he said, if you can do that, I will forgive you again. You don't have to be baptized once you're in Christ. All you have to do then is ask God for forgiveness from an honest and sincere heart. And he forgives us. He's forgiven me. He forgave me when I was justified by my faith, and he's been forgiving me ever since because I'm not the brightest bulb in the box. And sometimes I sin against my Lord. The grace of God, the most marvelous subject I can think of. God offers grace to all of us, every single person. No one is going to be sitting in hell who didn't have the opportunity to receive divine grace. Those who end up in a devil's hell are going to be there for the very same reason fallen angels are going to be there. We did not receive the grace of God. Or we did receive the grace of God, but we did so in vain. How are you today? How is your relationship with your Lord today? I don't know. I don't know, but you do. You do. That's one of the things. It's one of the problems we, we have to deal with once we develop the moral conscience. We know when we're not doing right, and it bugs us. Generally, it bugs me at night when I'm trying to fall asleep. But it can bug us any time of the day. It's that little voice in your head that 
remind you that something's wrong in your life. The Lord's not happy with me. There's something that I'm doing. I know I shouldn't be doing it for some reason. I'm doing it anyway. I don't even understand my own self. That's what Paul said about himself. I don't know why I do these stupid things, but I do them. I don't want to, but I do them. Because sometimes the flesh wants what the flesh wants. There's a lot of reasons for the sins we commit. But the only thing that is nonsensical in the whole situation is when I know I can be forgiven of my sin. And I know I can put that disturbing conscience away. And it won't bother me anymore. And I know what I need to do to make all that happen. But then I don't do it. That makes no sense. Do you need the Lord's forgiveness? I beg you from the bottom of my heart, if you do, turn it around right now.